Amen. You can be seated. And I hope, I hope, I hope you are awakened by that love, that amazing love. We are, oh, it's December, so we're allowed to do this. Merry Christmas. And just a reminder, when you're in a store and somebody says happy holidays, the correct response is not, it's not happy holidays, it's Merry Christmas. That doesn't affect anybody in a positive way. You're welcome to say Merry Christmas to them, but just do it in love, okay? We talked about that last week. In fact, we're in a series on kind of Christmas up north, and, and, and half of the, I mentioned last week, half of the decorations here are from my house, so I almost feel like you're just joining us for Christmas, and you're, you're part of our family this year. But you also have those Christmas things, and so last week, we're talking about how to make those, that Christmas better, that Christmas up north better. Last week, we talked about how to really prepare for Christmas, how to spiritually prepare, how to prepare your heart for Christmas. Um, I have a question to ask, though, to, to get us going for this week. I need some participation show of hands. How many of you have been to some kind of a, a, a gathering, a family gathering, a work gathering or something, a Christmas kind of thing at some point where it was, it was really, really awkward because of bad connections. Somebody was fighting, some people weren't getting along good. Um, yeah, like first service, the majority of hands go up. Um, and we don't think that was you that was the problem. We just know that there was, there was some kind of a problem there. But just so that you know, that's actually, unfortunately, normal. Because conflict is normal at the holidays. It's just more no- I don't know if you know this, but this weekend... This, this week, this is the statistics say this is the number one breakup weekend of the year. Can you believe it? Some of you are worried now, I know. Um, I don't know what that is, if it's just like I can't stand all this pressure for the, the season or whatever, or it's somebody that says, if I break up now and get together after Christmas, I won't have to buy a gift. That's seen that happen. But it's kind of normal. So what we want to talk about is we want to talk about connecting at Christmas. So um, you guys, if, if the, whoever's passing things out can start passing it out. I, I, need to, to, I need to know, how many of you ever had or given or received Legos for Christmas? You've given them or received them. You're each getting a Lego right now. Here's the instructions. Favorite, one. And you don't get to look through and choose your favorite you just pick one and pass it because speed is of the essence here. We used to give, we gave our kids Legos numerous times. We still have many of them around our house. Um, we have four grandkids now and two of them are too young because for whatever reason, this does not do this. This does this. And so we have to be very careful with that. But it's fun to do this, to put these together, and, and, and we've had these a lot, and most of you know what these are. So I need a little participation here. Does everybody have your one Lego? I, I'm almost saying you should look and make sure nobody's cheating and has two, but every, everybody needs just one. Here's what I need, here's what I need you to say. I'm going to dump all those out because they're just cool looking. Here's what I need you to say. Legos, Good. Legos, good. Lego, sad. Put the next picture up. Sad Lego. Do you know why? Because Legos 
are made for connections. Nobody comes to a Christmas thing and says, Hey, I got a Lego. Let's play Lego. (laughs) It doesn't last long. It's not a real fun game. You know, there's only one thing that a single Lego is good for. Stepping on in the middle of the night when the lights are out and you're trying to just quietly go to the bathroom and, and your shoes are not on, your sock, and you step on a Lego, that's what one of them is for. One Lego is sad, but Legos together are good. So here's what I'm going to have you do. I, I'm going to test. I'm gonna, this is a test. Everybody has one. What I'm going to have you do is turn to the person next to you and you're going to connect, which means one of you is losing your Lego. I get that. I get that. But you're going to connect. And now turn to the person on the other side that you ignored and say, I'm sorry, because you turned to somebody else first. Do you know what you've just done? You made a bunch of happy Legos. Because that's what Legos are for. They're to connect. You see, we are like Legos. We are like Legos. Okay, stop playing with your Legos. I see this was probably not the best choice. (laughs) You can play with them after. We are like Legos. We were made to be connected. And when we're not connected, we're sad. Like Legos, we were created for connection, not to be alone. In fact, at the very beginning, okay, Genesis in the Bible. Genesis 2 says this. The Lord, okay, stop playing with your Legos. (laughs) There'll be time afterwards for that. Genesis 2, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. That's not just man. That's woman as well. It's not good for us to be alone. We weren't created to be alone. Ecclesiastes 4 has a passage that's used at a whole bunch of weddings. But it's not just for married couples, it's for people. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, two are better than one. It's not just talking about a couple. It's not just talking about boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. It's talking about people, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. There's a whole bunch of reasons why, but it's better together. We, I say this all the time because it's true. The truth is we're better together. You realize The more we are alone, the more many of our our issues and our problems show up. We think we're keeping them from people and we think we're, we're making it better by being alone when we pull back. But the truth is, those things we're trying to hide seem to come out more when we're alone. The hard part of that truth that we're better together is that at this time of year, Christmas and the holidays... Many people end up alone. And then instead of the most wonderful time of the year, it's like the most discouraging time of the year. And you think everybody else in the universe is at a Christmas party except you. Because we get discouraged and we can feel alone. Christmas was meant to be a time of connection. Interesting, I have read the Christmas story literally hundreds of times. I read it dozens of times every year in preparation to speak, but just because I want to be 
in the moment, and I want to feel Christmas and realize that Jesus came for me. So I read the Christmas story. I've done this for decades, and I've read it hundreds of times, and something dawned on me this year that I've never thought of before. Mary and Joseph. I mean, I thought of them, obviously. <laughs> Mary and Joseph, you remember why they went right at the end there of the pregnancy? They went to Bethlehem, right? Remember why they went to Bethlehem? Because of the census and the tax, and Joseph was going to his hometown. Think about this. He went to his hometown, and there was no room. He had relatives there, and they had to go to a hotel. And the hotel had no room, they had to go to a stable. Where were his relatives? This whole Christmas thing was meant to be a connection. And he didn't even get to connect with relatives there. And God sent shepherd kids to Mary and Joseph's stable so they weren't alone. Because it's a time of connection. You realize in Matthew, it tells us that Jesus will be called, it's quoting Isaiah. And it says, Jesus, he will be called Emmanuel. You hear that all the time. He's Emmanuel. It's his name. You know what Emmanuel means? God with us. He will be called Emmanuel. Jesus will be called that because God is now with us. And you realize it did not say that God is with just me. God is with us as a group. I have way too many people tell me, oh, my my faith is a personal thing and I don't like to do the church thing and I don't like the people thing and I just kind of get off by myself and God. And it's like, that's not how you were made. That's not the point of it. In fact, we talk about the, the body of Christ. You know, did you realize you're not the body of Christ? We are the body of Christ. It's plural. Here's the point of Christmas. Connections. First of all, connecting with God. That's why he came. And then connecting with others. That's the point. But you know as well as I do, You can be in some kind of a a work, a family gathering of some kind. You can be in a room full of people and still feel just as isolated and alone, right? So here's what we're going to do today. To make our Christmas up north better, to make your Christmas better, we're going to look at five keys of connections at Christmas. In your worship folder, there's an outline you can... Take some notes, follow along. The verses are on there. And if you are alone or need connection or know something, do this by looking at a need to be taken notes. That's a good thing to do. So we're actually going to do this by looking at a Bible passage that you might not necessarily think of in terms of Christmas. If I said we're looking at a Christmas passage, you might not automatically go to this, but it is certainly a Christmas passage because it talks about Jesus' first advent. It talks about Jesus coming that first Christmas. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 5 and just walk through this section here. In chapter 2, verse 5, it starts like this. In your relationships with one another, so it's talking about connections, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What that means is think like Jesus. In your relationships with each other, think like Jesus. How would Jesus think? And it tells us, starting in verse 6, who being in very nature God, Jesus was God come in the flesh, 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Other translations say he, he emptied himself. He made himself of no reputation. He, he didn't cease to become God. He, he went from heaven to here and became one of us and made himself subservient to God. He made himself one of us and became nothing. You realize that's the opposite of our selfie generation. That's the first key to connection. Number one, if you're taking notes, humility. That's what this passage starts off earlier even talking about, humility. Connection happens. You want connection to happen. Connection happens at Christmas when we know our value but refuse to self-promote. We know our value but we refuse to self-promote. And you need to understand where your value comes from. Your value does not come from the fact that you have a nice car or a nice house or nice clothes or a nice job or you're good-looking. I mean, you are. You're all good-looking. That's not where your value comes from. Your value, because that goes, trust me. (laughs) Your value comes from knowing that God loved you so much. He became one of us so that he could connect with you. That's how much he loved you. To come here to become one of us, to live a sinless life so that he could die for you. That's where your value comes from. So connection happens when we know our value but refuse to self-promote. Jesus came in humility instead of bragging about himself. How many of you have been to a Christmas party, a Christmas gathering, a family thing of some time, and amazing their last year was and their life was, and they're just going on and on, and I'm thinking like, oh, I have, I'm sorry, I have to go, you know, to trim my gerbil's toenails, I can't stay here right now. I, I don't want to be around that at all. I don't want to be around that, I don't want to hear that, because it's interesting, people do that to draw attention to themselves, and they, they don't realize it does the opposite of what they think. When you self-promote, you immediately turn people off. They'll shake your head and smile, but inside they're going, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to hear it. Think about this. Christ was always the most important person in the room, in every room he ever walked into. He was God. He was the most important person in the room, in every room he ever walked into, and he knew it. But he never flaunted it, ever. He refused to self-promote. He could have come in a way that everybody in the world saw him come. Could have made live TV happen then. What did he do? He shows up in a stable with Mary and Joseph and some shepherd kids and some animals. He refused to self-promote. And you know what? I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't take any selfies in the manger. Because had he come self-promote... I'm not saying selfies are bad. It's a source of laughter for me to look at your selfies, so keep taking them because I enjoy it. But had he come self-promoting, that would not have attracted people. It would repel people. Seriously, nobody wants to be around someone who's self-promoting all the time. Remember, humility, we talk about this a lot here because it's so important. Humility is, is not thinking less of yourself. 
It's thinking of yourself less. Does that make sense? It's knowing your value, but refusing to self-promote. How many of you have seen a car ad on TV recently? You've seen a car ad on TV. The rest of you just don't watch TV because you cannot watch TV without seeing a car ad. And, and, and if you watch them, you almost begin to believe that everybody wakes up Christmas morning and looks out the window and there's an expensive car in the driveway with a bow on it. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How many of you have seen a Rolls Royce ad on TV? Do you know what? If you ever see a Rolls Royce commercial, it's fake. Do you know why? Rolls Royce doesn't make commercials. It's a f- Do you know why? They don't have to. It's a freaking Rolls Royce. If you can buy a Rolls Royce, you don't need to see a commercial. Oh, I think I need one of those. You know what it is. They don't have to self-promote. You realize you're far more valuable than a Rolls Royce? You don't have to do that. You don't have to self-promote. But we see it all the time. People are constantly promoting themselves. You know, check out how amazing I am. They don't say it like that, but that's what they're saying. Check out how amazing I am. Here's what all this means for connection. You want better connection. In order to really connect with people, you have to care more about their lives and their situation and their story than you do your own. That's what Jesus did. That's humility. What if, what if this year you went to that holiday gathering, family, friends, work, whatever, and you didn't talk about yourself at all? Because you know your value. You just ask other people about them. What if you did that? Do you think there might be more connection happen if you ask people about themselves? Because the bottom line is, isn't God in charge of your reputation? You're not. I quit that long time ago. I live for an audience of one. If you like me, great. If you don't, really don't care. <laughs> because God loves me. And He's in charge of my reputation. When I obey Him, I don't have to strive to have the best reputation. I just have to follow Him. That's humility. That's number one. Humility. Let's continue in our passage. Philippians 2, we're in verse 7. Taking the very, so Jesus came, taking the very form, the very nature of a, what does it say? Bond servant. That's Jesus. He came as a bond servant. That's number two. First is humility. Second is servanthood. Servanthood. Connection happens. You want better connections. Connections happens when we choose to serve others rather than be served. Now, we have to change our thinking a little bit because some of you are thinking servant, servant, bond servants. The word is doulos. It can mean slave, and it's very easy for some people. We're not talking about slavery. This is not the concept like our concept of slavery. We would all agree slavery is always bad, right? Right. Slavery is always bad. This is not like our concept of slavery. Here's what this is. Somebody in that culture was, was good, would end up calling the master. But they saw this master, and this master was, was good. They knew him to be good. They knew that he would meet their needs, And so they made a choice 
to serve him. And instead of for a certain period of time because they owed money or whatever, they would just say, I'm going to serve you. And, and they did something really weird back then. They, they would say, I'm going to serve you. And they would take and they would put their head down. They would put their ear on the, on the block. And they would take a, an awl and a hammer and go, boom, and pop, pop a hole right in there. It's like, whoa, couldn't we just shake hands? <laughs> that would be way better. But they were demonstrating that I believe you're good and I'm willingly doing this. I'm choosing to serve. You realize that's what Jesus did when he came. He willingly, it says, became a bondservant. He took the very nature, the very form of a bondservant. In Matthew 20, it says this, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom for many. He, he came to serve. That's Jesus. What if we really thought the way Jesus thought? What if we really did that? You know, I believe God will meet my needs. So I'm going to go through my life serving others. What if we really did that? Because what most people do is they say, no, if my needs are going to get met, I'm going to be the one that has to do it. So I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to promote myself. I'm going to do this. And what we end up is with nothing. Our needs aren't met. What if we said, I believe God can meet my needs. And so I'm going to serve others. Here's how we say it around here. Too many people say, serve us. See that up on the screen? Serve us. Instead of, serve us. Now, everybody listening to this online is going, what? What is he talking about? Because they can't see that up on the screen. So if you're listening online, you missed it. And if you miss a Sunday, you miss a lot. Too many people say, serve us, instead of service. You see, being a Christian is making a choice to be a bondservant. God doesn't force you to do that. Nobody forces you to do that. You choose. It's because your master is so good and so kind and he meets your needs that you want to serve others. That's what it means to follow through and be a Christian. When you serve, you're far more likely to connect with other people. So this year, when you're at a gathering or a party or a relative's house, Here's what happens. We go to somebody's house, the host, and what's a relative or a friend or a coworker, it doesn't matter what it is. You go there and somebody's, it's their place, they're the host, and what do you do? You sit down and they serve you. Can I get you a drink? Can I get you, you know, a treat? Can I get you this? And they serve you. What if, instead of being the one being served, if you just served people? What a difference that would make in your connections with people. Or maybe you just, this year, you see those gatherings and events as opportunities to be a blessing and to be an encouragement to others. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, I can't do that. I can't do that and go to parties. I can't, I can't. Here, I feel your pain. I understand exactly what you're saying. I have two Legos here. See this little red one here? You see this green one here? You know what these are? This is Julie. This is me. You see all the connections on here? That's how she's wired. She can do that. This is me. More than three connections and it's like smoke starts coming out of my ears and it doesn't work well. 
I'm not going to change the way I'm wired. I get that some of you are like that too. But you know what? Here's what I can do. I am never going to go to the party and make this many connections. They're going to drag me out of there on a stretcher if I do. But here's what I can do. Here's what I do. I walk in and say, God, I'd like to be a blessing and encouragement to three people. I don't have to, everybody, just three. See, some people are wired to jump right into the middle and, and go for it. I'm wired to go in my office, pull the shades, close the door, do my thing. And you say, then why are you standing up there? Very good question. (laughs) Because God has funny sense of humor. (laughs) But you can go to that party and you can say, you know what? I can make two connections. I can bless two people. I can encourage two people. And you just make that a challenge. Is it easy if you're not wired that way? No, it's a choice. We do that. Here's another suggestion. Volunteer to serve at one of our Christmas at Journey North Church services. On the 23rd, Sunday the 23rd, we have 9, 10.30, or 6 p.m. They're all the same. So you can go to one and you can serve at another and you might come and help set up. You might come and help clean up. You might greet. You might take candles back apart from their holders and put them for the next service and get them ready. You might be a parking lot greeter. Did you know that one of the most important jobs at this church is parking lot greeter? I cannot tell you how many people have come to me and said, I came here, I was scared to death. It was like the last ditch effort, but I was going to come and and the longest walk I ever had was across that parking lot. But I got partway across and I was met by two people that were smiling and welcomed me. That's huge because that sets the tone for what's going to happen and how God can work here. So you might just say, I'm going to volunteer at the Christmas at Journey North Church Services. Sign up on your communication card with your information, and we'll find a place for you to do something. Because you could spend your Christmas like Jesus spent his life, serving. So the first thing is humility. The second is servanthood. Here's the next one. Continuing on, same verse. So he he came that way as as a bondservant. And it says, and coming in the likeness of men. And coming in the likeness of men. He came and he showed up here. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, just like you. Human. God became man. Just like us. He didn't have to do that. You know why he did that? So he could relate to you and so that you could relate to him. Because he was one of us. He didn't have to do that. But he saw our dilemma. He saw our mess. And he loved us and he came for us as one of us. He drew near to us. Remember, his name means God with us. So the third thing is this. Hospitality. Connection happens when we draw near to others. That's hospitality. When we draw near to others rather than isolate ourselves. That's when connection happens. Now, Jesus was God. Christ could have certainly figured out a way to save you from a distance. I don't know how, but he could have done that. But he chose to come to us. He came to us. He drew near to us. So close that he knows what it's like. The temptations. He knows. He got birthed. God got birthed 
Something else I thought of this year. You know, he grew and learned. It said he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. The Bible tells us that Jesus, God from all eternity, created the heavens and the earth. Jesus is the creator. He had to be taught that he created the universe. Because he came as a baby. He had to learn and grow and be taught that he created the universe because he wanted to be close, because he wanted to be close to you and not distant. You see, that's the point. We call this the incarnation. That's the technical term for Jesus coming. Incarnation means enfleshment. Carnal means flesh. He took on flesh. God took on flesh and bone and became one of us. That's the point of Christmas. God drew near. Think about it. If you lack connection, maybe it's your own choice because you refuse to draw near to others. I'd like to step on a few toes for a minute. Maybe you come a little late so that you don't have to talk to anybody. Maybe when the service is over, you make a beeline for the door. There is no Vikings game today. Maybe what we need to do is we need to make a choice to draw near because we have connection with God because he chose to draw near. So what if, what if like at the service, in the foyer or at your party or whatever gathering it is, you put your hand out and we're not so standoffish? Maybe that's hard for you. I understand that. It's hard for me too. I do that because I make the choice to do that. Because when I draw near, the connections are better. Is it easy? Is it natural? No. But I make the choice to do that. Maybe what you need to do is you meet somebody here, you meet somebody in a foyer, you meet somebody wherever, and you invite them over for a holiday gathering. Just come on over. Let's, let's, let's do this. You know, you meet somebody in a foyer and you just ask them over. It's not like you're going to be lifelong friends. Who knows? You might, but you just connect with people. Or maybe you find somebody and you invite them to church. And so you come with them to church. That's the best way is to come with them to church. And then you go out and eat afterwards and you pay for it. You say, why would I pay for it? Well, it's Christmas, kind of. You don't have to be Scrooge. You can just do that. But we connect. That's how we connect with people. You don't have to be alone. It says in Philippians 2.8. And by the way, if you invite somebody and they say no, don't cry. Invite somebody else. Just, just word of advice. Philippians 2 says this. Being found in appearance as a man... Jesus came as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the next verse in our section. Now, what does that have to do with connection? Actually, it has everything to do with connection. It's all about generosity. That's number four, generosity. Because connection happens when we self-sacrifice to bless someone else. That's when connection happens. You see, Christ chose to be broken, to be a blessing for you. He didn't have to. If he hadn't made the choice to be broken, you wouldn't be blessed. You could never have a relationship with him had he not made that choice. Let me ask you this. 
If you chose this season to be, to be radically generous and self-sacrifice, to be a blessing, do you think you'll make connections or break connections? You will make connections. The Bible says this all through it. It backs it up in Proverbs 18. I like how it says it in verse 16. A gift opens the way for the one who gives it. That's what a gift does. You see, the way you got to heaven is God gave the gift. He gave the gift. We celebrate that at Christmas. The gift made way for the giver. That's how it happens. It happens when we self-sacrifice. We can choose generosity and self-sacrifice. And you say, I don't have anything. Maybe you don't. Here's what you need to do. Stop looking at your bank account and your checkbook for this. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. You can make a choice to be generous. And God, if you want to, if you ask God, He'll have you do that. I guarantee it. And He'll be creative in how He does it. I heard a story yesterday of someone who was generous and gave away tickets to a Christian concert. And they wanted to go to that concert, but they gave those tickets away. And the people who went in their place, one of the kids got his life straightened out with God because of that. You see what can happen when you're generous? A million different things can happen. I have seen this in my life over and over and over and over again. I have seen God bless, and I have seen when God says, do this, the answer should always be, okay, I don't know how, but I trust you, okay, So how do you do this? How do you make a choice to be generous? Maybe for you, there's a hundred different ways, but maybe you just think of somebody who's in need, which means they're just in need a little bit more than you, outside of your family probably, that you could give a gift to. Again, it's not the amount. It's the heart. Maybe you're at McDonald's or at a restaurant and God lays it on your heart and you see somebody and you pick up the check for them. You don't even let them know it's you. You just do that. Maybe, maybe you, God lays a family on your heart and you buy Christmas dinner for them and you put together everything for this Christmas dinner and you get it all in a bag and, and just be, have fun with it. Put it on their doorstep. Ding dong ditch, you know, push the button and run. No flaming bags of poo. That's not <laughs> what we're doing here. And you say, but what if I do that and they don't need it? Well, then you know what? They'll probably pass it on to somebody else. There's a thousand different ways that you can just be generous and self-sacrifice with whatever you have at the moment. It says in Philippians 2, last one, that's be generous. Next one is this, starting in 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, that's like pretty much everywhere, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, we worship Jesus. The reason we worship Jesus is because of the previous verses we just looked at. His choice of a self-sacrificial death for us. The evidence of love, the evidence of connection. The evidence that he really wants to be with you no matter the cost. That's what he proved to you. And so we kneel in worship. That's number five. 
worship. Connection happens when we kneel together to honor the one who died for us. Connection happens when we kneel together to honor the one who died for us. We worship together. We kneel together, side by side. We come into this place, and there are people from all walks of life, from all over, and here's what happens. We stand next to each other and worship. I'm not greater than you. You're not greater than me. You know what? Jesus is greater. And so together we kneel, together, side by side, and we exalt and honor the one who died for us. In Ephesians 2.14, it says this, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. You see, only... My, my, my iPad thinks I'm talking to it, and it's trying to answer me. <laughs> yes? No. <laughs> I'm not easily distracted. Here's the thing. We all understand the hostility thing. Only in the worship of Christ does hostility finally break. That's where it starts. In our relationships in our marriages, in our families, in our communities. Now, how could that work out? How, how could we do that in a practical way this Christmas? Again, there's, there's a thousand different ways. Let me just give you a couple. And, and, and the first one, you're going to go, what? It's a little awkward. Okay, let's say, I don't know what you're going to have on Christmas Day. I don't know if it's going to be you and your whole family. I don't know if it's going to be you and, and, and one person. I don't know if your single parent's going to be you and your kids. I don't know what your situation is, but how about this? At your, at, on Christmas Day, when you sit down for your meal, take a little piece of bread. Take a little juice and share communion together. And remember that on Christmas Day, Jesus came for one reason to die for you. He came so that you could be connected to God. And in that simple act of communion, you're remembering with the bread that Jesus' body, he was broken and bruised for us. And you remember with that juice that whatever you use, you remember that that Jesus' blood was shed for you so that your sin could be forgiven because his body was broken, his blood was shed, not because he was a sinner, but because we were sinners. He paid for us. And then maybe just open your Bible and read a little bit from the Christmas story, one of the versions of the Christmas story in the Gospels. It doesn't have to be long. I'm not saying you've got to have two hours of this at your table. I'm just saying just read the, have, have communion together and read the Christmas story together and focus again on the one we celebrate together. It's really hard to fight with somebody you're having communion with. Maybe this. Maybe try coming to one of our three Christmas services on the 23rd with a group of family or friends. And you remember, we've made these convenient cards for you to carry. You can be walking through Walmart with this, and it will remind you when our Christmas services are. Actually, we have way more convenient cards for you. Last week, I told you, don't grab a bunch of these and throw them all over. I don't want these all over town. Here's what I want. I want you taking your card, not this one, this one. I want you taking your card and I want you handing it to someone and say, would you go to the Christmas service with me? 
Which one works best for you? Worst that could happen is they say, nope, can't do that. Okay, give me the card back. No, kidding. (laughs) You can let them keep the card just in case. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray about that. Who can I invite? And maybe what you do is you come as a group. You come with friends. You come as family. You come together that way. These cards are in the, in the foyer, and they're at the welcome desk. Grab some on the way out. I'm not going to say you can only have one, like the Legos. You can take what you're going to use. But grab those on the way out and do that because that helps us connect, and we're going to come together on that day and worship the one who has the power to set us free. Here's how we're going to wrap this up. In this passage that Paul writes, um, he doesn't just give five, these five things that we can use to figure out better connections at Christmas and then kind of end it. He gives us this amazing assurance at the end, and this is my favorite part. Verse 12, he says this, Dear friends, and I love how he starts that. These are people he loves. It's like, I, I love you guys. He loved these people. He said, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. That's obedience. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. He's not saying work for your salvation. You could never work enough for your salvation. You don't have to because Jesus did it all. But once we receive what he did for us by faith and we become a child of God and we are saved, then we work to show the results of that. He said work hard to show the results of your salvation Obeying God, that's how we do it, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And then my favorite is verse 12. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You see, what He does is He will empower you to serve and bless others. You don't have to find the power in yourself. He will empower you to serve and bless others. You don't have to find the power in yourself. These five areas, God doesn't say, do this, I'll be watching. He says, do this, here's the desire, here's the power. I'm going to do it through you as you walk with me. As you draw near to God, He will give you the desire. He will give you the power to be able to do that. But the key is drawing near to Him. Because we don't have to do it on our own because the whole point of Christmas was that we didn't have to be on our own. That there could be that connection. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we close in prayer. Father, I know that um, there's people all over the, the map here when it comes to their relationships with each other. And I know that everybody here could probably use improvement in those relationships and those connections. And I pray that we would be able to think like Jesus, that, that, that the humility and the servanthood and the hospitality and the generosity and the worship would be something that as we do that together, we see the connections improve. And we know that those things you want us to do in obedience, you not only give us the desire, you give us the power to do that. So, Father, for everybody here who's already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, my prayer is that we would draw near to you to tap into that and that we would see something happen this Christmas that maybe we haven't seen in a long time. 
And Father, for anybody listening to this that's never made that first connection with you, maybe today for the first time they realize Jesus came that Christmas for me. He came because I was the one who was broken. I was the one who was lost. I was the one who had my sins separating me from God, and he came, lived a perfect, sinless life, and paid for my sin on the cross when he died. And today, I not only believe that, I receive him as my Savior. I trust you, God. I believe that you can meet my needs. And I'm turning my life over to you. And that today, this Christmas season, would be the first season where they actually have that incredible relationship with you. Father, thank you for what you're doing here in us and through us, in this community and in the, in the families. And we just ask that we would be able to draw near to you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. Are you stealing my notes? You can have them. It's okay. I'm done. This year, this year, you could make the connections you're looking for by thinking like Jesus. By thinking like Jesus. And remember, in two weeks, we're having our Christmas at Journey North Church. Convenient card that fits in your pocket. You can grab on the way out to invite somebody to join you that could make the difference of a lifetime for them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for demonstrating your love for us, demonstrating your desire to to be with us by becoming one of us. Father, thank you for that, and I pray that those who have stepped across that line in, 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 in simple faith would just say, I want to honor you together. I want to be able to have those good connections and think like Jesus and and that today, Father, that anybody who's never made that first connection yet with you would in simple faith turn to Jesus. Father, thank you for what you're doing. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.